This is War Stories, a cybersecurity podcast where we extract the best stories from the field of penetration testing. Your host is Zach Davis, experienced cyber and physical security tester. War Stories is brought to you by Cyber Coffee, engineered and roasted to keep you hacking the planet all day and night. Give it a try at drinkcybercoffee.com and use promo code WAR10 to save 10%. Enjoy the show. All right, dude. You asked for a podcasting studio. We built one. What are you going to do with it? Well, uh, as you can see by the, the, the sign behind us, uh, this is going to be war stories. So this idea kind of came out of, you know, a whole career of, of telling these types of stories, whether they're, you know, at a bar with other pen testers to friends and family who just are interested in information security, offensive security, the kind of stuff we do. Um, and I think you could agree one of our favorite things is, you know, telling more stories about some of the cool cool hacks we've done, cool physicals we've done, that type of stuff. So, you know, what we wanted to do was find a way to kind of bring that bring that to the world and and tell people about, you know, this another side of offensive security or security in general that people don't see a lot. So we're definitely the most interesting people at the holiday parties when we go home for seeing our friends and family. Yeah, I mean, with the kind of work we do, I mean, you know as well as I do, a lot of it's boring, but the highs are pretty, pretty yeah. high. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the other thing I kind of thought about too, is I, I constantly get asked how, uh, you know, to get into this, how did you become a, a pen tester? how did you become a hacker? That type of thing. Um, and again, I think those stories are pretty important to kind of, you know, see how, you know, people come to this type of career. So, you know, the breakdown of the, the podcast that I have in mind is it's going to be three questions. It's going to be a different pen tester. Uh, or offensive security professional every single week. Eventually, you might get into some blue team guys because that's obviously a very big, uh, you know, part of the story. They've got cool stories. They definitely do. Um, but to start with, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk to a different pen tester each week. You're gonna be my first victim, and we're gonna ask three questions. Um, so the three questions for for war stories is gonna be one: How did you get to where you are today? You know, what's your story? How'd you get into offensive security? How'd you become a pen tester? Number two. What's your favorite tool and why? Um, and hopefully maybe a story tool come out of that. And then three, uh, kind of the, the big one is, you know, what's the favorite story from your career? Every pen tester has got one, whether it's a crazy physical where they jumped a fence and ran from a guard or, you know, pulled off some sort of epic, uh, you know, red team type assessment where they were combining different social engineering techniques to break into, you know, whatever. Um, and we're going to, you know, bring those stories to life. Uh, no client names, locations, names, slight details may be changed to protect anonymity, but, you know, we'll get the we'll get the good stuff out there. Okay. All right. Cool. Sweet. So I guess, yeah, you're uh, your victim number one, Matt Barnett, CEO, 7X. Uh, you know, I know you didn't start off as CEO, so why don't you give us a little backstory on how you got here, how you got into offensive security. I know you've got a interesting uh background before you kind of got into the tech stuff. So why don't we start there? Yeah. I, I think everybody that comes into this world has a little bit of a, a sideways career path or, you know, I, I don't know that anybody wakes up and says, I want to be a hacker that gets paid money from a, a company to hack. I think they all kind of fall into it. People stumble into it. And exactly. at least back when we started, it was, I think nowadays there's people who definitely go to college and they're like, I want to be a pen tester, but I didn't right. know what pen testing was until I got my first job. And I think it probably was, you were in a similar position. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, depending on how far back you want to go, I mean, we could probably start it at law enforcement. You know, I kind of always wanted to be a police officer and, you know, I went and did that. Um, you know, 
unfortunately I was in an accident and, you know, ended up changing careers after the fact, but um, kind of spent some time as a fireman, spent some time as a paramedic, you know, surrounded by emergencies and catastrophes at all times. So, you know, I, I tend to thrive really well in those high pressure crisis situations. And, you know, I ended up starting a job in IT. My first day I was going to be a programmer. I was going to uh, write PHP code and, and MySQL code. And the day I showed up for work, the head sysadmin put in his two weeks notice. And so... <laughs> Trial by fire. Yeah, yeah. They kind of said, hey, listen, instead of that programming thing we thought we were going to have you do, we're just going to have you take over for the sysadmin because we need that more than we need, you know, programming. And, you know, I, I said, okay, what do I have to do? They're like, well, you need to stick with that guy for the next two weeks, learn everything you can about Linux and all of our servers. Well, so they threw Linux at you too. I had no idea what Linux was. If I'm being <laughs> honest, back then I was like, Never, never hit a bash shell before? No, no yeah. idea. <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't have a window? <laughs> where's my mouse? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I spent two weeks kind of learning everything there was. And then within a few months, you know, they had been breached and I ended up helping kind of navigate that and figuring out how it happened and how it couldn't happen again and putting in a bunch of infrastructure and really cut my teeth in that world at that job. Got some real world IR experience, right? You right know, from the bat. Yeah. yeah. Sitting on the the unfortunate side of the table, I guess, but probably yeah. gave you some valuable insight for the the IR you do now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, I've always been in those high pressure crisis situations, and so this was just you know same dog food, different label. Sure. Um, but I found that after I got done hardening the servers and putting in a multi-factor VPN and changing all of these default passwords, that there wasn't much to do from a security perspective as a full-time job. And so I started looking around, seeing what else was out there and eventually made my way to a security company, you know, the place I was at before we started 7X and, you know, partnered up with some really smart people. So yeah, I think a few of them we're going to try and get on as guests eventually. hundred percent. We should. Yeah. yeah so uh, Dave Williams or John Beck, if you're, if you're listening to this, we're coming for you. But, uh, you know, to those guys' credit, I was about as green. You know, I thought I knew stuff when I showed up, and I realized just how little I actually knew. I think a lot of people don't, they take it for granted that, you know, you can be in security without having first cut your teeth in IT. You know, it's in order to fix Windows, you have to understand Windows. In order to, you know, compromise a VPN, you have to understand what a VPN is and how it works. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, I go on my first physical, which I didn't even know. I had no idea that physicals were even a part of cyber. And it's not a huge leap in logic once you really think about it. The amount of people that will come out and actually test physical security are few and far between. So what we end up finding is that people ask us about all of the application layer security, but they then ask you about the physical security. Is my data center strong enough? Is my lock good enough? Is my alarm system good enough. And so the way to test that is to try to break in in the same way that we try to break into, you know, the computers. Sure. And you've really taken that and run with it. I found that I have a niche in that world. You know, um, I love it. I love the adrenaline rush that comes with it. It kind of harkens back to, you know, everything about my past. And I've just genuinely enjoyed being really good at physical security. And uh, all the people that I've connected with in the industry that kind of do that t 
type of work, we all have the same mindset. It's the same hacker mindset that everybody has. It's just kind of geared towards the mechanical parts of physical security. You know, sure. how doors operate, how locks operate, how biometrics operate, how physical security rotations operate, badges, key cards, RFID, all that stuff. It's all still hacking just, the, you know, in the physical. Different target, basically. Cool. So I think that pretty much brings us up to 7X. So uh, question number two is, you know, what's your favorite tool and why? And I'm, I'm curious if you're going to have a physical tool or, uh, or a network-based tool for us. Hmm. Yeah, it could go either way. Um, can I break the rules and mention a group of tools rather than a single tool? Uh, I think breaking the rules is okay for a hacking podcast. Par for the course. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, so when you're doing physical security, every job is different. Every building is different. They all have different special requirements. But there is a core, almost like a foundational set. It's the Kali Linux of physical testing, right? You bring in this core base OS, this base set of tools, and then you can build on based on you know the needs of the job. So for me, I always carry a pack of shims and then inside that pack of shims, I stuff a screwdriver, a pry bar, and a traveler's hook. And what I've found is that for most cases, and in almost all physicals, something in that is going to get me through at least one of the doors. Sometimes it's the main door. Sometimes it's the server room door. Sometimes it's just an interior door. But, you know, most of the time, organizations do not have 100% of their doors configured correctly. You know, there's a there's a higher than not percentage that are faulty either in, you know, too low, too high, too wide, too skinny, too whatever. Sure. And the doors just don't lock and latch properly. Bad tolerances, a bad lock. Yep. Something that's not configured quite correctly, which, yep. you know. Drywall doesn't go all the way to the ceiling. Sure. You know, gap underneath. So, um, but that little pack that I always carry with me, and actually, you'll remember this. Uh, I, I know where this is going. <laughs> So we were in Estonia earlier this year, and we were in a rental car. We had to get out of the rental car to get on a plane to France, and we were in a hurry. We were running late. It's raining. It's pouring rain, and I'd probably, I don't even know how many speeding tickets we got in that country. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, they were rolling in for a couple of months. <laughs> Multiple countries. Yeah. You know, I just got one the other day, actually. Uh, from yeah. where? Spain. I'm not surprised. But I did pay them. I paid all of them because I enjoyed Spain and I planned to go back. Plan to go back. Want to be able to rent a car again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I left my my pack in the uh, the trunk of the rental car and I was sad for many. You minutes. were very upset. I remember yeah. that because one of the tools in there my um, was something I got very early on in my fire department career. You know, right after nine eleven, they had issued us all weapons of mass destruction, like toolkits basically it was a you know like a tyvek suit a bunch of entry tools a bunch of gas masks and canisters and all this stuff and all of it expired or went to waste except for that set of entry tools and i'd never seen another pen tester that had them but it got me into so many places and so yeah and i remember you'd even like you were particularly upset because you'd even like filed it down and made it like slightly i think it slightly smaller so it could fit into I just better. over time, just use after yeah. use after use. It was it broken kinda, in, I guess. Then. Yeah, like a yeah. pair of shoes. Um, so it was a, it was definitely a hit to lose that, and I was pretty bummed. Yeah, I remember you were upset. 
Yeah, but I called the rental car company and nobody spoke English and I didn't speak Russian, Estonian, or any other yeah. <laughs> dialect. So, so they were lost, but we've since replaced them. And I think when I bought my set, I bought a set for everybody here. Cool. So yours are sitting on your desk. Okay. Yeah, You're I'm welcome. excited to check it out. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> are we moving on to the next question? Yeah. Okay. I think we're there. Cool. So uh, that brings us to our, our final question for the War Stories format. Um, what's your favorite or most one of your most memorable, I guess, stories from your career? Because I know you have a lot. Hmm. Favorite war story? Just... I mean, I, I think you got to give us a probably a physical security one after that intro, and that really is your specialty. Yeah. But I know you have a lot of them to pick from. Hmm. Favorite war story. Okay. All right, I got a good one. So, long time ago, I was working with Tali, and you know he's one of our one of our best pen testers in the office here. But he is not a physical security guy by any stretch of the imagination. No, he definitely prefers being in front of the keyboard, which yeah. he's really good at. Very good at it and certain much better than me, right? And so he'll stay there and I'll stay here. And but when his job requires me, I get the phone call. So I get this phone call. I, I says, do the same thing, by the way. When I was before you guys acquired me and got me into seven X, whenever I had a physical come up, I usually would try and get you to come out for a day or two with me. We had some fun. We've traveled the we country. We did. Yeah. Did some good ones. We'll come back and we'll talk about a few more of those. So Tali calls me up. He says, hey, I've got this university I've got to do. Can you help? Well, of course, Tali, I got you. So we go there. During the day, it's wide open, but it's staffed, and nobody's going to let you just walk into the data center piece, but you can walk into the building. And so I'm wandering the halls, and I see the IT room. And right as somebody's walking out, they're walking down the hall away from me, the door is just impossibly slow to close. And so I had all the time in the world. I go up, I stick my hand in the door, I catch it right before it closes. And there's nobody in the office. So I'm walking around, I'm looking at laptops and grabbing passwords off of sticky notes. And I grabbed a set of keys to one of the vans. outside. <laughs> um, and the other getaway. thing, I, yeah, the getaway car. Exactly. The one thing that I grabbed that served me really well was a t-shirt or a polo shirt from the university and it was specifically for the IT department and I took it I went into the bathroom and I put it on and I grabbed my backpack and I went up to the break room and I just sat there and I waited for everybody to leave so five o'clock comes I um, look around everybody it seems like everybody's gone call Tali up I said dude I think everybody's gone come around to the side door I'll let you in so I let him in we start working our way towards the data center and we realized that somebody's still in there. And what we know now, but we didn't know then, was that that data center was staffed 24-7. Makes it a little tricky to get into the data center when there's someone there all the time. Yeah. Who's at a data center 24-7? Especially at a school, right? Yeah. So we had no idea that that was actually going to be a thing and we were like, all right, let's just kill some time. We'll go upstairs into their, you know, more formal IT department and we'll just wander around and con boot a bunch of machines and grab creds while we're waiting. So it's cold. It's the middle of the winter. There's snow on the ground. And the woman that works in the data center, and this is, she's the night shift. So she's there all night. Again, we had no idea. She decides to take a walk. And normally she walks outside, but because it's cold and snowy, she walks around the IT floor, which is a huge footprint 
on the second story. Sure, big wide open room, tons yeah. of cubes. Might as well just painted a track on the ground, you know. Okay. So she comes up to do her lap, and Tolly's working at a computer, and she comes around the corner and she sees him working in the dark. Now, <laughs> Tolly is six foot four, Ukrainian, and wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Sticks out a little bit late yeah. at night. He doesn't blend. Yeah. So she's like, "What are you doing here?" Now, fortunately, Tolly looks young, and so he gets away with the "I'm an intern" excuse. And she's like, "Well, you can't be here." And he's like, "Okay, I'm sorry." And he leaves. And he calls me and he says, hey, I got kicked out. And I said, Tali, I know you got kicked out. I heard the whole thing. He goes, all right, well, we're going home. I'm like, we're not going home. I'm letting you back in. So he comes back to the side door. I let him back in. We go back up to the IT floor and we continue to rummage around. Well, fast forward about a half an hour and Tali comes around the corner of the cubicles right as she's coming up the stairs and the two of them run into each other again. Oh, gosh. I can only imagine how... Uh say traumatic that probably was for Dolly mm -hmm. and I think they, they scared each other enough that they both yelled and so I'm not sure which shriek came from who but they both definitely screamed and she was like what are you doing here I told you to get out and he's like I left something and he's like she's like you have to leave you cannot be in here so she escorts him out a second time so he calls me he's like dude we gotta go I'm like we're not done yet <laughs> <laughs> want to get in that data center yeah oh yeah exactly i've been in these shoes before too where you just won't quit and it's uh, like two in the morning and i want to go home and you're mm -hmm. like eh, one more thing mm -hmm. one more thing i'm like come on man <laughs> you don't quit that's nah, probably why it's, it's why you're good at it though yeah you don't quit when you're tired you quit when you're done so um so I, i'm like i'm coming back to let you in well this time i think she either looked at the cameras or she did something she knew that we were still in there and she called campus police. Now, the thing about this building is that it is the heartbeat of the entire university. It handles everything from payroll to infrastructure to God knows what. And even the police department doesn't have keys to this building. So when they got there, she had to go let them in. And the first cop arrives. He's by himself. I hear and see the lights you know, and the sirens outside. And See, at this point, I would have probably given up and been like, oh, crap, the cops are here. But yeah, that's what I'm Tally guessing wanted. that is that's what Tali wanted to do. Yeah, I'm sure. So I was like, dude, we got to hide. And so I drag him down to the end of the building and I'm looking for a place to stash him. And between these two cubicles, there's a gap and it's it's no wider than, you know, it's probably like this. But, you know, he's tall and lanky. So I'm like, get in there. And I shove, him into, <laughs> I shove him into this crack between two cubicles. And directly across the aisle, there's a desk. And I, cr I crawl under the desk and I'm hiding. So he can see me and I can see him from basically across the aisle. And the cop comes in. They find my backpack in a conference room. And this backpack is like a hacker treasure Filled chest. with burglary tools. Everything, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had a phone with Cali Nethunter on it. We had an under-the-door tool. We had compressed air. We, I mean, just every bag of tricks, you know, lock picks, the whole nine. And so they're looking through this bag and they realize, you know, somebody's up to no good. And the cop starts clearing the upstairs. So he's got his flashlight out. He's got his gun out and he is just kind of, you know, working. Probably way. say too, that this is pre coal fire incident. Uh, this was, yeah. which, you know, not to call them out, but I think a lot of people know that about 
that whole incident and kind of changed the way some of us approach these things. It used to be a little more Wild West yeah, back I, in the day. Coal fire, I mean, God bless them because they, I can't imagine, I mean, two of their guys spent a weekend in jail over physical testing and, and they wow. weren't, it wasn't their fault. They, you know, 100% were caught up in the, the political nonsense between a state and a local jurisdiction and yeah, rough situation all around. Yeah. But, but, you know, fundamentally they changed the game for us. They really did. Yeah. And that's kind of, I wouldn't dream of doing that kind of stuff these days, but no. you know, like I said, back when I started to, it was, you did all sorts of wild stuff. You'd probably think twice about now. Yeah, no, I mean, the the extent to which I will push uh, has come down a little bit. Usually flashing lights is when the get-out-of-jail-free card comes yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I, anyway, did, yeah. what I didn't know then that I know now, uh, and, and the cops told us this at the end, was that the canine had just gone off duty. So Jeez. 45 minutes sooner, and we would have been dog meat. No, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. But anyway, so Tolly's shoved in the corner. I'm under the desk. Cops clearing the room. Flashlight is just panning across the cubicles, and you can see it, you know. You can see it kind of illuminating the ceiling tiles, and right as the light goes past the first cubicle, hits Tolly in the eyes, goes to the second cubicle, it, like, snaps back to Tolly. And he just has this panic-stricken look on his face. (laughs) So the cop starts yelling at him, get on the ground, you know, don't move, put your hands on him. He's like, yeah, I don't know what you want me to do. So... The guy goes over, he grabs Tolly, puts him on the ground, and starts cuffing him. And all the while, you know, Tolly's like looking across at me. I'm looking at him, and then the cop looks over to see what he's looking at and sees me. And I'm just, I, like, I don't know what to do, right? <laughs> I don't want to make his life more difficult, but if I move, right, he's probably just going to shoot me. So I'm like, I'm not moving, I'm not moving. He's like, you stay there. I'm like, I already said I'm staying here. <laughs> so by that time, additional cops had showed up in the the woman from the data center had gone down to let them in. And so they came up and they, you know, Tali and I are both wearing jewelry. Um, and by that, I mean police handcuffs. And we're like, hey, we're supposed to be here. You know, we have a letter. And our authorization letter actually had, I believe it had the chief of police as like the backup contact. So he was in the, uh, was he in the loop? Apparently he was and never told anybody downstream. So he went home for the night and, Nobody knew that this testing was supposed to happen. Oh, man. Long story short. That could have went bad in a number of different ways. A lot of ways. Yeah. Um, we got very, very lucky. You know, the cops were very cool. Uh, we chatted with them about, you know, post, uh, post-job post retirement. <laughs> They're like, this is the coolest job ever. I was like, yeah, we know. You should join us. But- That's the one nice thing about when you do get caught in a tense situation, usually when the get-out-of-jail-free card comes yeah. out and everybody realizes it's legit, then... People are typically really nice, and they're usually pretty happy that they got you. So yeah. it's kind of easy to be like, you got us, you win, mm-hmm. and then people calm down pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, so I wish I had a better story about how we actually got to the crown jewels and how everything worked out great for the pen testers. But this actually, this one worked out pretty well for the uh, for the university, and all all's well that ends well. Everybody went home safe, and and it was a great it was a great it was a great exercise, and a lot of things were learned out of it. So cool, awesome. Well. I think it was a good story to to kick us off. Um, so, yeah, episode one of, of War Stories. Keep an eye out. There's going to be plenty more where that came from. Um, new testers, new stories, and, you know, we'll continue to show you uh, another side of cybersecurity. 
Yeah. We didn't build this studio just for one episode. No, did not. <laughs> cool. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks Adam. for the help with the studio. Yeah. Enjoy it. Cool. Thanks. <laughs>